Hey, we're honored tonight to have uh, a guy that obviously a lot of you have read his work. Let me tell you something about John Eldridge, though. John Eldridge is a friend. Let me tell you, that is a treasure when you find a man that you can call a friend. And one of the reasons that I want John to come is not really because of the books that he wrote, although he's written some great books, and the, or the podcasts that you may have been a part of. The reason I trust John Eldridge to speak to the men of my church is because he's proven to be a trusted man, a trusted friend. What you see on the stage is the way he behaves in private. In fact, he behaves better in private than he does on the stage sometimes, actually. <laughs> I think he's a good thing sometimes. But John Eldridge is a friend that I've learned to trust. I've shared some of my, uh, probably the deepest pains of my life with John, and John has been someone who looks me in the eye and gives me trusted advice. He's a man full of the spirit, full of wisdom. I think he's a prophetic voice to the men, not only in our city, but around the world, and we're honored to have him tonight. So I want you to welcome a friend of this church, a friend of men around our country. Welcome John Eldridge here tonight with us. Right on, guys. Thanks. Wow. Holy cow. Thank you. Um, great to see you. Looking forward to this. Um, clock's ticking, so I want to just jump straight in. I want to talk about um, how God shapes men, what the masculine process of initiation looks like, how you go through um, these stages that he takes David through, he takes Moses through, he takes, I mean, every guy through in the scripture and every guy in life, um, and, and highlight some of this, point out some things that um, as I'm walking through this, you go, I need that. I missed that. I'm headed there. Now I know what I'm looking for, okay? But what I want to do is I want to start with uh, a film clip. I want to show you a movie trailer uh, from the movie Fury that came out a few years ago, the story of the World War II tank company. Because the story of Fury is actually the story of the coming of age and the formation of a boy into a man in the context of war. And so I wanna play this and then we'll unpack some of this as we walk through our evening together. think it can't get worse, it can, and it will. The dying's not done, the killing's not done. I promised my crew a long time ago I'd keep them alive. I was afraid you were dead. Where's the rest of Thurpeton? We're it. Sergeant Collier, I'm your new assistant driver. Tank school? That's home. Never even seen the inside of a tank. You will. I started this war killing Germans in Africa. Now I'm killing Germans in Germany. Been with these fine gentlemen for years. These troops get by you. We're all dead in the water. All we got is you. I won't ask you to do anything I haven't done myself. Tom check. Photo check. Grady check. Bob check. Bob check. Hey, Mark! All right! Hit that son of a bitch! Hit him! 
doesn't it? I mean, there's something that grabs the masculine soul. I could have used Man of Steel. I could have used Braveheart, you know, any of the Iron Man stories to get to this core issue of what is it that God does? What's the process he takes us through um, to shape boys into men? And I think, I think there's five stages that every person, every man passes through. I want to name them, unpack them a little bit. But let me, um, I know we've prayed, but let me, let me just um, invite Christ to give us eyes to see. Jesus, um, take away the fog. Take away the fog, Lord. Take away the veils. Take away the, the confusion and the, and the malaise that keeps us from seeing clearly. And we pray that you would speak. I'm going to pray in the first person. Speak to my masculine soul. Speak to my heart. Show me where I am. Show me where I'm headed. Show me what I've missed and what you're wanting to bring into my life. Jesus, come. Amen. <clears throat> so in Hebrews 12, a word of encouragement is given to us that goes like this. Have you forgotten how a good father treats his sons? And that God regards you as sons. My dear son, don't shrug off God's training. But don't be crushed by it either. I love the kindness of that. Don't lose heart in this process is what he's saying. It's the son he loves that he works with and shapes and forms. The son he embraces he also corrects. This trouble that you're in, every, so much of what you're defining right now is hassle, setback, silence, abandonment. He, he's actually saying, that actually, that's not punishment. You're not being punished. It's training. The normal experience of sons from Hebrews 12. So what I want to say, I'm going to try and give you like a, a framework to understand your experience and to understand your story, okay? Whatever else is going on in your life, whether you are 16, 62, uh, God is always shaping the masculine soul in you. He made you masculine for a reason. 
And, and he is training you and developing us into great men. And he'll use whatever it takes. He'll use blessings. He'll use hassles. He'll use your current circumstances. He'll use new ones. But what he is primarily after, kind of the framework I want to give you is initiation. Okay? Through what I think are five stages. So let's put that uh, stages slide up. And then I want, to, I want to talk through this. I think it goes from beloved son through a cowboy stage into the warrior who is then able to become a lover, who is then able to become a king and then a sage. And you will see this. This, this is going to be really cool. You'll see it in movies. You'll see it in guys' stories. You'll see it in Jesus' life. Jesus goes through all these stages. You'll see it in Moses, David, Gideon, Samson. It's really, it's really a very cool thing because God has written this deep into our hearts and he's trying to frame it in our experiences. And, and what I'm offering you um, is clarity and hope because most of us are, are misinterpreting what God's trying to do through our life. I know I do it all the time. And the typical question out of an uninitiated man is, why is this happening to me? Why does this always have to go like this? Okay, that's, that's an uninitiated man, and it comes out of me, guys, asking the wrong question. Okay, so initiation, five stages, beloved son. Let's talk about that. Being the beloved son was the design for every man in this room. It was the experience of very few. Being the beloved son is an awesome time of life, or it was meant to be. Like, this is the Lego stage. This is the pancake breakfast stage. This is the, Dad, can we wrestle? Dad, can we go sledding? Dad, what are we going to do this weekend? This is the stage of special trips with your dad. This is the stage of late night stories by flashlight in a tent with your dad. This is, this is experiencing two very key things. Every little boy needs to know that his dad adores him. Every one of us, like that is so core in our being. You need to know your dad adored you and that he thinks you're amazing. Okay, and what's really cool is you get to the baptism of Jesus. He's about to go into the greatest mission of his life and what does, his fa what does the father say? It's so sweet. The father says, Jesus, I adore you and you're amazing. Right, you have what it takes. But in the beloved son stage, there's not, there's, it's mostly the stage of delight and having your father's time and his attention um, and, and invitation into his world in a place that feels safe. The boy grows under the, the protection of his father's strength and there's a place that feels full of wonder. You're invited to be a little explorer, right? And, it, and it's a place that's full of blessing. I, I wish I could, I left... Thankfully, I left my phone there. But I wanted to show you a text. Text I got tonight before I come here. You know, I'm trying to get my act together and get out the door. And boop, one of my three sons, Dad, can I borrow your truck? <laughs> and, and there is not a hesitation in my heart. The answer is, yeah, of course you can. What else do you need? What else do you need? How can I help? Everything I have is yours. You can have my tent. You can have my hiking stuff. What do you need? Like, that's what it feels like to be the beloved son. And uh, I still, if I'm walking through a Bass Pro or a sporting goods store and I go through the fishing section, there are certain lures, Panther Martins, 
rooster tails, and red devils. They just, they, there's just like this treasured place in my heart because that was where I had my dad. I had, he, um, he was a traveling salesman. He was gone a lot, but my dad loved to fish. And I had two older sisters, and they didn't, they didn't want to fish, so I got my dad. Like Saturday mornings, we'd go out, and, and, and he, he taught me how to fish. And those were the young days. Those were the early days before the, the blow-up in our family occurred and the alcoholism and, and the you know, train wreck. I felt like the beloved son. I had my dad's time. And <clears throat> some of the most significant wounding in a man's life takes place at this stage of not experiencing affection and intimacy and wonder and safety and just benediction. Just you are delighted. What do you want to do this morning? And so a man who doesn't experience the beloved son stage, and, and now he's a man, he's a guy that doesn't expect good. I'm, I'm going to give you kind of some of the like indicators, the warning lights here. It's a, it's a man who feels like everything's up to him. Everything's up to me. And if anything good's going to happen, I, I got to be the one to make it happen, right? He doesn't expect goodness. He feels isolated and alone. God feels distant. It's a man who actually doesn't know how to play. He doesn't know how to play. He might be able to work really hard, but there isn't a lot of joy in his life. There isn't a spontaneity and a playfulness. And at the same time, it'll also be in a, in a certain group of guys, yet he needs to be the center of attention. The guy that's always got to dominate the conversation. The guy that's always got to get, get the praises, get the accolades. The guy that's always got to be the one to speak up, you know, in a meeting and dominate things. He's looking for belovedness. You see that? Um, and this is triggering some things. And Brady wrote a great book on this, the, his book on sons and daughters and coming out of orphan, the orphan place. So I just refer you to that. But I'm going to name the stages and we'll talk through these things. I'm not just going to leave you hanging there. Um, around the age of 12 or 13, so somewhere, somewhere between 11 and 14, it, this clock goes off in a boy's soul. Ding! Like there's an alarm clock. And he literally transitions from, from the stage of boyhood into the stage of the cowboy. And, and you see this in David's life. This is, this is David's time in the field, um, out in in. Um, hard work, out in adventure, out in the wilderness. There's, there's something that rises in a, in, a, in a boy becoming a young man's heart, somewhere around the age of 13, I think, where he, he really wants to enter into something new. It's not just about belovedness and Star Wars anymore. It's not about Legos anymore or, or, or Dart Wars. There's something in him that wants more. He's ready for a new stage of initiation. And the cowboy stage, the question that I write up and talk a lot about that compels every man really shows up in this stage. So the question, do I have what it takes? And it's through adventure and training and hard work in the teenage years that God forms this. I think this is Jesus' time in the carpenter's shop uh, with Joseph here. It's, it's kind of in those silent years in Jesus' life, but he was being trained. He was being formed in that time. When, when David goes to fight Goliath, he gives you the key of the cowboy stage. Uh, Saul and the other guys, you know, frankly, kind of kindly go, whoa, whoa, 
fella, I mean, we appreciate your enthusiasm, but this guy is a trained killer. I mean, you're going to go up against a Navy SEAL, and you're a kid with a slingshot. You can't do this. And David says to them, oh, no. He says, I, uh, I've killed the lion and the bear. When the lion attacked my father's sheep, he says, not only did I defend it off, I chased it down and killed it, barehanded. I can handle this. Okay. He's, he's giving you a secret of initiation in the cowboy stage. He has been through experiences that have settled something in his heart, and particularly the question, I have what it takes. And I think, I think that um, in this stage, one thing that does this really powerfully is, I think what I would call sort of regulated adventure. I don't mean climbing K2, I don't mean over the top, you know, insane stuff, but adventure that tests the young boy, 12, 13, then 16, 17, 18, tests the, the, the boy becoming a young man, puts him into situations where he's got to come through, where something in him really needs to rise up. I remember the first elk hunt that um, we kind of had a, a culture in our family that the boys could come, they could come on the, on the elk hunt when they were 12, but they couldn't, they couldn't hunt until they were 13. So you're with the men when you're 12, and then your 13th year, you know, with hunter training and, and all of that stuff, you get to come. Well, Sam was in, my oldest son was in his 13th year, and it was his elk hunt year, and we were so stoked for this. We got into a really bad situation on a mountain, and um, we were dropped off by a guy, and he kind of gave us some bad directions, and we were on foot, and we were going to meet him. Um, one thing leads to another, daylight vanishes, and, and we're still pretty high on this mountain, and daylight's fading fast. And it changed from hunting day with dad to a survival scenario. And, and it was a beautiful moment. I turned and I looked at him and I said, Sam, everything has just changed. We're not going to get picked up. We have to get off this mountain alone. This is going to take us probably about seven hours on foot in the dark. I will be moving fast. Stay right behind me. And you could just see this, something in him being called out in that moment. And I took off down this mountain through this wilderness ravine, and it was gnarly. It was really hairy getting out of there. But something in Sam that night, and it wasn't about the elk, and it wasn't about pancakes for breakfast. It was about that day. It was about that experience. That, that formed something in him. Several years later, um, when, they, when they're about 18, 19, we're up in the Tetons uh, on a canoe trip as a family. And we had overloaded Sam and Stacy, my wife's canoe. It had the cooler and the chairs. And I, we just weren't paying attention. And a lot, a lot of extra weight went into that canoe. We came through the last set of rapids and they swamped. Canoe, canoe sinks, you know, swamps, coolers floating off, lawn chairs are floating off. Mom is floating off. Okay. <laughs> But what was really cool to watch was to watch how my teenage sons handled that. Now, here, here's the fascinating thing. I am on the shore in paralysis. I, I don't know why. I did something in me just sort of froze and went, I can't believe this is happening. And, and there goes my wife, and there goes the swamp canoe, and, and there goes my, you know, favorite pair of sunglasses, and it's just, it's all going down river. Well... My sons are in the water, and, and uh, one of them is after mom, and one of them's after the canoe, you know, and brought all that to shore. And, and that was because of a process. 
because when they were 12, they got to sit in the front and paddle. And then when they were about 14, 15, they got to sit in the stern and guide the canoe on the trip. And over time, they were confident with the water, they were confident as swimmers, and they could handle that situation. Okay, so you know who has this absolutely brilliantly? Like, um, the Yeti commercials, the Yeti films for the Yeti coolers that have been coming out, absolutely exquisite films. Really beautiful, brilliant little films. Oh, this is their core film. This is like their brand message. It is a minute and 26 seconds of pure masculine understanding. Let's watch that. I truly believe that you regret the things you don't do more than the things you do. Devil roil up the water, no he won't. Roil up the water, no he won't. Devil roll the water of the Galilee. Who calm the water with his feet? Who calm the water with his feet? Peter, do you know him? No, I don't. Peter, do you know him? No, I don't. Peter, do you know him? I've never known. Three times denied, the rooster crowed. Simon Peter cried, the rooster crowed. Devil roil up the water, no he won't. Roil up the water, no he won't. Devil roil the water of the Galilee. Who calmed the water with his feet? Who calmed the water with his feet? I mean, at the end, they could just say the cowboy stage instead of Yeti coolers, and I could use this, you know, a ton. But the courage, blood, grit, that's the cowboy stage. It's, it's adventures and hard work that frame and form something in the developing young man's soul. And uh, if a guy doesn't get this, if, if you don't develop this stage in your journey as a man, um, you find a lot of hesitant men, there's just a... There's a check there, it's guys who won't take risks uh, in relationship or with their business or their churches or whatever. It's men that don't feel comfortable around other men. I used to be that guy. Um, passive men, men who hire everything out in their life. They outsource everything. Somebody else does their grass, somebody else does their oil, everything's outsourced. And they just find a specialty and they hide there. If they're smart, you know, they hide in their intellect. If they're great at sports, they hide there. If they're, you know, great with money, they hide there. But everything else in life, they will not venture into. There's no frontier for these guys. No frontier. Everything is safe. Or guys who just need to play, right? Because they didn't get the cowboy stage and they're craving it now. So all they want to do is fish. All they want to do is golf. All they want to do is surf. Okay? And, they, and they, don't, they don't have something bigger that they're about. Somewhere around... 18, 17, 18, 19, 20, there is another alarm that goes off. There is a very significant shift that takes place. And now the boy is moving into young manhood. And this is the stage of the warrior. Okay, this is an absolutely critical stage. And the recovery of the warrior in us um, is so vital because we live in, in such an emasculated culture and because we live in such a passive culture. And everything you want in your life 
is a fight. Like, you already know that. Everything you want, right? You want a great marriage? You're going to have to fight for it. You want fire teams? You want friendships? You will have to fight for that. You know that. You want your, you want your uh, job to succeed? You're going to have to fight for that. You want your church to grow? You have to fight for that. Okay, so the, the recovery of the warrior. And all right, so this is obviously Jesus, you know, moving into his ministry stage. This is Jesus in the temple. This is David, you know, beginning to, to be formed as a warrior in the armies of Israel. Saul is, killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Um, the young man needs a mission and he needs a cause. He needs to feel like something is being called out of him into the fight. Get into the fight. Okay, um, most revolutions are started by young men, right? The Arab Spring, mostly fueled by young men. And, and on a converse side, right, ISIS and, and a lot of um, Al-Qaeda and, and terrorism, mostly young men, right? Because they're looking for a battle to fight. They know that they, they, there's a warrior in them. It's just being, in those cases, it's being caught by darkness. But the, but the essence is really critical. Okay? You need the warrior to finish college or grad school. You need the warrior to finish that, that book you've been working on. You need the warrior, uh, as I'll show you in a minute, to chase the girl. You need the warrior to overcome an addiction. Like the warrior is so critical in, in the heart of a man. <clears throat> and, and that's why, you know, just a, a film trailer like Fury can be such a powerful thing. You've got this, you've got this passive boy I've never even seen the inside of a tank. And, and, and through hardship and through being thrown into battle, he is being shaped. And the, the uh, Brad Pitt character really kind of takes him under his wing and says, I know, I, know, I know this is brutal, but I'll see you through this. And he, he begins to try and teach him lessons about the life of the warrior. And that he takes him into the scene where he says, you know, the deals are peaceful. History is violent. And, and, and there's a lot of very, very passive gospel out there. Very passive gospel. You don't need to be a warrior. God's got everything, right? You just need to be nice. Just be nice, okay? Be a soft man. Just be a good man. Just be a moral man. And, and the warrior's like, what, what am I supposed to do? And the warrior, the warrior begins to atrophy in us when we don't, when we don't get called out. Enormous amount of emasculation in our culture, all aggression is wrong. You see mothers who won't let, you know, little boys play with play guns or bows and arrows or labor, lightsabers and that kind of thing. Be a nice boy. There's a lot of defeat. Um, and if a man doesn't get the warrior stage, if he doesn't get invited into the fight and have someone teach him how to fight, um, he will become an angry man. It's a fascinating thing. The warrior doesn't go away. It goes underground. And he is just pissed. He's, he's just ticked, right? And then it flares out in like traffic incidents and it flares out at work and there's just something in him because he, he's not winning and a man's got to feel like he's winning. A man has got to feel like he's winning. And, and, and he's, not, he's not in a fight and so he'll just create them. Or on the other side, these are guys who just go completely limp. They just go completely passive and they won't engage. You know, their 16-year-old daughter is clearly dating a guy they should not be dating and he won't say anything. He won't get involved. He won't intervene. Their, you know, 12-year-old sons, 
uh, spending way too much time on his phone, and he doesn't even know what he's looking at. He won't say a thing. He won't get involved. That, that refusal to engage because he wasn't, he wasn't raised up to. I'm not shaming, and I'm not blaming. I'm really not. I'm saying there is a process that most of us missed. And God, according to Hebrews 12, is very committed. No matter what your age, this is so beautiful. God is very committed to going back and filling in the blanks. Okay, so one of the coolest things you can ask is, where are we, Father? What are we working on? Right? And sometimes it's, ah, I'm just working on belovedness. Let's go play. And sometimes it's, you need to fight. And and most of the the only way you can really train a warrior is to throw him in the fight. Um, and, And again, we're misinterpreting that as abandonment and hassle. It's not abandonment. He's training you. Um, next two stages after this. Let's go back to the, um, the five-stages slide. Thanks, guys. So warrior lover. And I think that order is really critical, guys, because when you get into the lover stage and there isn't some warrior in you, man, you're going to find yourself going, I thought this was going to be easy. I thought this was just going to be, like, romantic and, you know, Great sex and beauty and all of that great stuff, right? Oh, you can, oh yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah. The lover stage is absolutely wonderful. But you've got to have some warrior in you. All right, notice this. Notice that um, right there in Genesis, I think Adam and Eve's honeymoon was very short. I think it was very short. And, and the evil one comes in after Eve and, and Adam's first call as a warrior, is to fight for his wife. His first move is, I, I better intervene here because she's getting taken out by the lies of the enemy. And uh, there was a great moment last night in our house. Uh, right now, uh, our middle son and his wife and their daughter are living with us because they're um, about to buy a house. So they're in that transition, had to get out of their lease. So they've been living with us. So they're watching what is happening. And what's happening is my wife, Stacy, uh, receives some very hard news um, uh, about her publishing career. It's you know, not massive, but, you know, it's hassles, disappointment, heartbreak uh, on a project she was working on. And, and I was not handling it particularly well. I, I was kind of in the posture of, sweetheart, like, don't even open that door. There's so much warfare around that right now. Just... We will get to that tomorrow, but like, don't open that email, which actually is, is frankly good counsel, but I wasn't being attentive to, <laughs> I wasn't being attentive to where her heart was, okay? I, I was treating her like warrior to warrior, not like lover to spouse. And, and so she left the room in tears, which is when you know things are not going well. <laughs> she goes into our bedroom, she closes the door, Okay, and I'm standing there with my, you know, son and daughter watching, and then God bless my daughter-in-law and her courage. She says, you know, Dad, you could pursue her. <laughs> I love that. Uh, and, and, uh, and that's, you see, that's why it takes warrior. It takes warrior to walk through those doors, right? <laughs> The scene in Gladiator, whatever comes through those doors, right? If we stick together, we survive. 
you know, going in, sitting down, asking forgiveness, and then engaging your wife's heart, that requires courage, right? That requires a kind of tenacity to stay with it. That requires, frankly, some, some rhino skin, right? Uh, some of the stuff that might come back your way initially, right? To, to hang in there and to pursue. So warrior before, uh, before lover. But let me say a few things about the lover stage. I am actually not first talking about romance uh, or love. The, the stage of the, uh, of the lover or women, the stage of the lover is actually the awakening of the heart. Okay? This is David writing poetry. This is David playing music. This is David loving, loving the outdoors, finding the beauty of nature. How many psalms are filled with brooks and streams and the, and the sunrise and its majesty and all of his poetry, right? He, he is captivated by the natural world. So the awakening of, of the lover's heart is simply first the awakening of the heart and that the life of the heart is central, okay? I, I'm going to hand you the keys to your salvation. The life of the heart is central. It's absolutely central. If you go back through Scripture and you do a study on the heart, right? The eyes of the Lord rove to and fro across the earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully Him. And when the prophets are railing and when Jesus says with disappointment, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. I mean, the, the, uh, Proverbs 4.23, the heart is the wellspring of life within you. Okay, above all else, guard it. Now, on and on it goes. The heart is where the action is. The heart is absolutely central. And, and why this is so critical for this to awaken, and it awakens through beauty, and it awakens through you might find an author that you love in literature, or you might find a director of films that you love. Um, you, you lock onto a, a band or a style of music that you love. You become enamored with the outdoors. You get into painting yourself. Something in you is awakening in this stage. And this is, this is in the early 20s, late, late teens, early 20s. Um, and then the woman can come along. Because, see, the, thing, the whole thing is, is that you have got to be present to your own heart if you are going to be present to hers. And one of the little keys of life is the way you treat your own heart is the way you will treat everyone else's. In the end, you can't avoid it. it that is a law of nature. So if you neglect the heart, you're going to neglect theirs like I did last night. Okay? If you're hard on your heart and it's just about discipline right, and hard work and that kind of thing, you're going to treat your kids like that. You're going to treat your friends like that. Okay? Like the recovery of the heart is so absolutely central in that the heart is essential, okay? And then the woman can come along, falling in love, learning how to sustain love, right? And I want, I want to say a little something in the, in the category of lover about victory and reward. I, one of the things I've been fascinated with, if you watch any college sports, uh, you have young gladiators and you have beauties. You notice that? Like, what's with cheerleaders? We, honestly, what is actually their function... <laughs> in winning that third down, right? Like, what, what is that? But it's, it works, and, and, and it's there, and you couldn't get rid of it, right? Basketball, football, I mean, like, you have warriors on the gridiron, warriors on the court, and you have beauties cheering them on. 
I think the key is this. I think there's something deep in the masculine soul that desperately wants to win. I, I, had a, I was talking to a guy on a radio show the other day, a podcast, and he, he was telling me a story about his little boy, six years old. They're just starting basketball, and so at six, they don't keep score, right? But as soon as the game's over, the first thing the boys ask him is, did we win? Because you, you want to know. Like, I'm a guy, you want to kill it, right? That little white ball in that thing, you want to knock that thing in the kingdom come, right? Like, there's something in a man's soul that wants to crush it, right, that wants to drill it, nail it, knock that thing, right, into the parking lot. And, okay, so crucial to a man's soul is victory, and crucial to a man's soul is reward. Reward. We want to be rewarded for our valor. We want to be rewarded for our victory. It's, it's absolutely biblical, right? There's all kinds of passages on reward. And here's the danger. The reason that pornography is so absolutely alluring is you get the reward without the fight. You get the beauty, kind of, right, without having to fight for her. You get the experience of, I think you're amazing, right? I mean, have a woman take her clothes off in front of you, like, makes you feel amazing, makes you feel like a man, right? But you didn't earn it. There is nothing in you that won that, that fought for that. And that's the essence of, of the lover stage, right? Is to fight for her. And then you get to climb the palm tree and enjoy its fruits, okay? <laughs> As Scripture says, all right? Um, the, man, the man who doesn't develop the warrior stage... The man who, or, or the lover stage, the man who doesn't, he, he is unable to be intimate, okay, because, because he's totally out of touch with his own heart. He, um, he damages the hearts of those around him because he neglects his own, and not just his wife, uh, but maybe his friends, certainly his children. It's all work. It's all battle, right, for the guy who doesn't have the lover um, growing in him. There's no mercy in his life, man who doesn't know how to receive mercy or offer it, okay? Um, he certainly doesn't know how to handle the heart of a woman, and he's very, 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 very vulnerable to sexual temptations. Because the, the, the really amazing thing, we do a lot of work with men, uh, and, we, and the really cool part of the story is it's, actually, it's not about the porn, it's not about the masturbation, it's not about, it's not about all your sexual stuff. It's not. It's about the heart. And it's about your masculine initiation. And the more that you heal that, the more that there is a growing sense of a genuine and solid strength in you. I know who I am. I know that I have what it takes. You actually don't want that. The sexual stuff actually kind of sorts itself out. But if you only tinker at that level and don't deal with some of these other things, it can be really frustrating. You feel like you, you just can't get headway. Okay, so warrior, lover, king. And now uh, the king, back up to that slide for a moment if we can. Um, the king, I think, comes in around, around the age of 40. Um, and this is, this is the stage in a, in a man's life when he is entrusted with power. Now, clearly, 
it's happening as we go along. And little boys are warriors because they want to be Jedi Knight, you know, and they want to be Thor. And, you know, so you'll see these stages. But, but there, is a, there is a season when this is really the stage you're in. I think around 40 to around 60 is, is the season of the king. It's the time of ruling. You are given some kind of kingdom, right? You become the coach of a team. Right? Or, or, or you're given a class to teach and lead. You, you're given more responsibility at work. You have a division. You have a department. You may run an entire company or a small business that you started. You may, you may be uh, the king over a church or over a ministry within the church. Okay, And this is the great test. This is it. This is what the whole process is driving towards. Because the critical question of the whole masculine journey, and frankly, of the earth, is this question. When can you trust a man with power? When can you trust a man with power? And by power, I, 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 don't, I don't just mean like, like he exerts dominion over things. Money, title, fame, influence, expertise, having that little, you know, MD or PhD or, you know, after your name. Like, when can you trust a man with power? And, and the answer is, only after that process. O- only after that process, really. Because, because you look at the history of the Scriptures and you see God wanting to entrust us with power and, and it destroying most men. They can't handle it once they're there because they are unfinished inside. And they can't, they can't wield that influence well. There's, there's a remarkable thing that's said about King David. It, um, it says, and David knew that he had been made king for the sake of the people of Israel. You know what the hardest test of the king stage is? The hardest test. It's not the women. It's not the money. Okay, it's not the toys. The hardest test is this. It's actually not about you. It's not about you. David knew that God had made him king for the sake of the people, right? It is learning to wield power, influence, technology, uh, perhaps a particular expertise. It's all power on behalf of others, okay? And, and it's a wonderful stage in life, and, 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 and you feel very powerful, and you feel influential, and it can be incredibly rewarding. But if, if the king has not been the beloved son, if he doesn't know belovedness, and now he's a king, this is the guy who's buying all the toys, right? He spends his weekend golfing, you know? And you're like, dude, like, I'm all for play. I, I love to play, okay? Like, lots of play over here. But, like, what's you about? What's your larger story? What, what are you using your influence for? If he, didn't, if he didn't get belovedness, he's a very defensive guy, and he's very easily hurt, right? He needs to be liked. That's not a good king. That's not a safe king. If he wasn't in the cowboy stage, if that's undeveloped in him, as I mentioned earlier, he won't take risks. Now, this is really a problem in business or in ministry or in missions, right? Gadzooks. How much of your life would you say is risk-taking at this point? Nearly all of it, right? Should we do this? Should we do that? We're going to venture this. We're going to send those people out. We're going to anoint these people. It's all risk, right? But if, but if, if the king will not risk, he will lead his people in passivity, okay? He outsources everything, right? If he hasn't been the warrior, oh, man. If, he's, if he hasn't been trained in the warrior stage... 
um, he will not lead his people well because mostly what kings do is lead their people into war. Um, and, and he will make mountains out of molehills. Like he'll pick fights he can win. And those are the only fights he'll engage in, right? So it's like, you know, really a huge issue that people are not wearing ties, you know, in our church or whatever. You know, you're like, really? Whoa, dude, like that is a seriously small battle. You know, like pick something larger. But, but he can't, he can't, he, he can't lead into war because th there's an undeveloped warrior in him. And so these, these are the, you know, theologians who teach that there's, you know, there's no battle and there's no enemy and that kind of thing. Um, and, if, and if he wasn't a lover, if he didn't have the lover stage developed in him, oh my gosh, you see this, like, this is the trophy wife stage, right? He dumps his, the wife of his youth and he goes and he buys a trophy wife, right? Or he, yeah, all that stuff, right? This is when the sexuality issues come and, and he mishandles the hearts of others. And then the last stage, um, just because our time's running out, I want to pray together. The last stage is the sage, um, which is uh, something that uh, Gabe was talking about. You guys are all going to do together. Let's get some sages in here um, and talk through the stages, these different decades. But the sage is such a beautiful time of life. It's very, very difficult for a king to become a sage because you actually have to give the helm to someone else, right? There's, there's a time in your life right, where you step away from the wheel and you let some of these younger, talented bucks take over, right? But it's a time of greater influence because now you are a counselor to kings, right? And to warriors and to lovers and to those who just want to come and, and sit with you. So older guys in this room, there's no such thing as retirement in the kingdom. Your wisdom, your experience, yes, all the failures, all the ways you blew it. My gosh, that's valuable. That is so valuable to these younger guys coming up and to, and to sit as an elder at the gate and to offer wisdom to younger men, right? And, and just kind of put your arm around a couple guys. Just kind of search them out here in church and just, just kind of come up alongside them and just say, how's it going? How's it going, son? How's your marriage? Right? And just let him talk, right? Take him out for, for lunch or something and just, just be a presence in his life of wisdom and kindness, right? And, I mean, sages, like, that is an awesome stage of life. And, you know, instead of we ship people off to Fort Lauderdale or Sun City, it's, it's horrible. Okay, <clears throat> so what do you do with this? What do you do with this? I, I um, not much. Not this, not much. I would just, I would just say, Father, where are we working? What are we working on? Another way of finding that out is what's not going well. <laughs> okay? Like what in, your, what in your life is not working? Okay, well, that's where God's working. Okay, so what, what, you know, is it relationship? Oh, maybe we're working on the lover stage, right? Or, or is it the lack of play and it's all work? Maybe you need a little bit of cowboy, right? It, is it a fact that you just totally feel isolated and alone? You maybe you just need some love. You just need the Father's affection. You just need some belovedness, okay? And he'll, he'll wind through and he'll work on this thing for a while and then he'll come over here and work on this and he's shoring us up 
filling in some of the gaps. He is developing. He, He is committed to this process because he's trying to get us to this king and sage stage that can rule the earth, right? That can bring goodness and love and benediction, right, to communities and families and generations. So he's up to this. He's up to this. And the question really just to ask is, Father, where, where are we? What do I need? What are you working on with me? And, and just let him father you in this. But I do want to give you one piece of advice. <clears throat> You're not going to like this last slide. But if I could say something that was incredibly valuable to you, it would be this, okay? It's not about easy and it's not about comfortable. Our entire world right now is totally designed for ease and comfort, right? You've got your heat seaters, but in the summer you've got your little butt air conditioner in your seats, right? Somebody else makes your coffee, somebody else does your laundry, somebody else cuts your lawn, somebody else does your oil, right? Like everything in life, Siri will now tell you everything you need to know. Okay, Siri will tell you the the definition of a word you don't know. You don't have to look it up. You don't have to get an education. Like everything is easy. You don't even have to find your way around town anymore. Men don't even know how to use maps anymore, right? You just ask your phone and your phone takes you there. That is not a world that can initiate men. And the reason why this is critical is if you think it's about easy and you think it's about comfortable, you are going to have a really hard time in your relationship with God. You're going to feel abandoned. You're going to feel like, what's up, man? How come you are not coming through? All of that stuff, the anger, the frustration, the misinterpretation of events. Okay? It's not about easy. It's not about comfortable. It's about your initiation. I'll guarantee you. This is how a father, Hebrews 12, treats his sons. Okay, let's pray. Jesus, this was almost unkind. Um, I, I had to blast through this, and, and, and yet within each category, there are things that are so critical to us. So we're just going to pause right now, and we're just going to say, God, where am I, and where are you working? Where am I and where are you working? That's what we pray. Where am I and where are you working? Father, would you father me in the places that I need belovedness or I need cowboy, that I need warrior shored up in me or that I need lover, that I need king so I can become a sage? Father, We just want to give you our permission, simply our permission. We we want to join in something that you're already very committed to. We want to join in the process of our initiation. So, Father, you have my yes, and now I ask you for your provision. Bring the men, bring the events, bring the instruction that I need in my life that are, that, that are going to intimately and personally shape this for me. I'm not going to scramble because of tonight. I'm not going to grasp at all of this. I'm just going to say, Father, bring to me what I need for my initiation. Amen.